Sven. I have met Sven. I was a little disappointed that Sven was more interested in the couple who were heavy petting. <laughs> so Naomi and I are together. We're not always together when we record the podcast. We are together in a pub in Wimbledon. Uh, and there was a, a very amorous couple. They were heavy. That's heavy petting, isn't it? I Is mean, it was beyond, it was crossing so many boundaries. It was sort of get a room It type. was beyond heavy yeah, petting. It was. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, but you know what? What do they expect? They don't have any no heavy petting signs up. So what do you expect? <laughs> you People imagine? are going to heavy pet. I think heavy petting happens in pubs, but probably not at lunchtime. But anyway, Sven <laughs> was, what's, what do you call the noise he makes? It's like a oh, whi- it, is it whining? It's, it's whining. If it was any other dog, it's whining. But it, for him and for Sheba's, it's just how they kind of talk and communicate. He's just kind of, he wants to explore the pub. So what do you think he was saying to this couple that were heavy petting? Because that's the noise. I, I thought he was hungry or thirsty, wants to go for a walk. He was staring directly at this heavy petting couple making this noise. What, what was he trying to communicate to them? <laughs> no heavy petting, I think, is what he was trying to say. He was probably saying, oh, look, I know they don't have signs, but this is unacceptable. I mean, it was just really uncomfortable, wasn't it? Oh, can you hear him whining? Spent. You're going to get Sven to say hello. He's, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear him at some point. There, there he goes again. He's not very good at sitting still in a pub. Probably not a great idea to bring him to, to a podcast report, recording. But, you know, we're trying to, uh, to teach him. What are your tactics? So with the twins, I've got certain things, most notably my mobile phone, that will work in cases of needing a little bit of silence. Yes. The phone comes out or maybe some kind of chocolate treat. So what's going to work? Sven apart from a, a heavy petting couple they've gone now by the way they, they did probably go and get a room they have left what's going to work for Sven well I have a treat the ultimate treat for Sven that he loves more than anything actually maybe he enjoys tripe a bit more but I've got with me a full pig's ear for him to chomp on through the podcast so when he gets a little bit noisy all he's saying is he wants attention. That's all he's saying. That's so horrible. don't don't pig's be concerned. Um, oh yeah, no, yeah, pig's ear. He loves it. It's dried. Are it's a dried out one. Pig's ears. No, not at all. Great dog treat. Well, because they're just kind of scraps off the pig, dried out. He chomps on it. He very much likes it. He only gets it if he's been good. He's not been good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have a feeling you're going to give it to him but anyway. Because we're going to need some silence. Uh, I will give it to him at some point. So when he starts making a bit of a noise, I, I will give it to him. But I'm hoping that he will settle. Based on previous if, evidence, he won't. If he falls asleep, I don't know if that's a good sign for our podcast. So maybe <laughs> maybe the whining means he's involved and he feels he has something to contribute. If he just sort of passes out on the floor, I'm not sure I'm taking that as the best of signs. <laughs> I would. We send dogs to sleep. <laughs> I don't think that's a strap line that we need for our podcast. <laughs> he, just, he just is a bit on edge when we go out to pubs and cafes and anything. He just, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. He just wants to suss everything out and search the room for people who are heavy petting and tell them that they shouldn't be. Yeah, That's found them. He basically found them. his his role. But anyway, he'll he'll be fine. But yes, so we, we can do a full Sven segment, full update. We went lovely. for a lovely walk uh, on Wimbledon Common before meeting you for lunch. We've met for lunch today, which is really nice because I was at Wimbledon today difference from being in Wimbledon and at Wimbledon at the tennis yes um, and I always Which find I was confused by I thought you were in Wimbledon but you were at Wimbledon I was at Wimbledon and, and I know you go to Wimbledon 
a fair amount outside of the two weeks. I don't tend to go there that often. It is amazing to see everything that's being done, the construction, the building, the changing, the developing. It is, it's actually, um, but we're going to see this in a few months time at Roland Garros, having knocked down Philippe Chetri, the main Although, did you see stadium. the picture of it? <laughs> in construction as as it always does with buildings it looks a long way away It'll come from together <laughs> but you just it just somehow happens it's i'm not amazing, sure how it? it happens but it looks it looks how it probably should have looked maybe around christmas time uh, in, just, I mean, look, I'm not an expert. I was wondering where this expertise of stadium <laughs> construction comes from. You're an expert in many areas. <laughs> well, I just, it, it just, it's a little concerning looking at it, thinking, oh, but we know they've got to get that done. It will be done. It'll be fine. Do we? As we, we know. Well, it, doesn't it have to be? <laughs> Isn't there an element of it actually has... No, I'm, I'm actually going over to Paris next month ahead of the tournament to chat a few things, so I'll take some updated updated pictures okay i'm and sure it will have moved on well but at, at wimbledon at wimbledon how good does court one look <laughs> it, look, it looks amazing it looks it looks incredible uh, but how different does an event site whether you go to the australian open outside of the tournament or wimbledon because the nets are down a lot of the temporary seating has disappeared and so you can look over in some area and it's just blocks and blocks of, of the grass where the courts are they're under the heat lamps they're being looked after there's a massive fan blowing the way they take care of those courts is incredible but it is quite nice just to have it was very busy with everything going on obviously people work their day-to-day the construction people but just to have a little wander around outside of the madness of the tennis it's quite nice yeah work does not stop on those courts it is absolutely meticulous and it's all year round to get them ready for those two weeks of the year and it is it's a fully functioning club the rest of the time there are members there people are playing all the time and it's a yeah it's a fantastic place to be but it is a completely different feel to when the championships are on we often get a bit of a glimpse into it because of the middle sunday where there's no people around and lots of repair is happening to the the courts or and lots of people are working but very do you hard. Go but there on the middle Sunday. That's when I do my washing. Just say to my family, "I'm still here." Say to my children, <laughs> "I am still your mother." <laughs> go to the supermarket because apparently no one else has been able to go to the supermarket. So you actually you come in, do you? I have done before. Yeah, I think as a player I did because you'd come in and hit and, and see people. So yeah, I've been there a few times on that middle Sunday. Maybe less so now. For in me, the it's media. probably the day before it starts. Right, yeah. When exactly. it, it, it's still quite busy, but it's nothing like when the gates open. Where they're drilling the stewards. When we are full scale up and running. It's, it's like any tournament that you just go to a couple of days before and you walk around and you just go and sit in one of the courts and just have a look around and just soak it all in before the madness begins. As Sven <laughs> just agreed with. I'm not sure how much of this people will be able to hear, but Sven, so far, he looks alert, ears up, focused, enjoying podcast he should be exhausted he's looking looking well he was looking right at us for a second no he's just looking around if you can hear the uh the whining that is that's when he's just saying hi if you hear a rustle of a bag that's the pig's ear coming out we've oh, got well, we'll, we'll, oh, well we have to do the pig's ear i have to see your reaction to i don't get want it out. To, i don't want to see your pig's ear um <laughs> I, I can say that quite i don't want to see your pig's ear <laughs> that's all I, that's all i have to say on the subject with tennis wise I always think about our podcast as to how much kind of tennis and how much ish. I think it's quite an even split this week, but with some quite heavy tennis bits. When you think just the headlines, Roger Federer, 100 titles. The isn't it curious good for the game debate? 
that's come back again. Naomi Osaka, coach confirmed, Jermaine Jenkins, former hitting partner Venus Williams. There have been some big headlines going into the first Masters, which we're both going to be working on in Indy Wells. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not sure how long we can talk about these three things for, because Roger Federer won his 100th title. Brilliant, but... <laughs> Thank you. Sven is literally is he joining a in. Fan? Is he just a fan? let out a big yawn. Oh, and I was just <laughs> so about to say, yeah, but I was just about to say, Federer won his hundredth title. Boring. You and you and well, Sven on the same wavelength, exactly. Like, right? No, I mean it's obviously incredibly impressive. And then what was the next one? Nick Kyrgios. Is Nick, he good for the game? Is, well, is the debate that's come out of his run to the title in Acapulco? Well, yes, he's good for the game. It's not a debate. People are being ridiculous. What was the last one? Naomi Osaka's new coach, Jermaine Jenkins. Naomi Osaka's new coach. That is a tough job to take on. And I'm not talking about Naomi Osaka, just in terms of her record. I mean, surely it's just lose-lose, right? I mean, he can't do any better than what he's been doing and what Sasha Bayin did. So I feel like that's one of... It was an interesting move. Obviously, I mean, she's number one in the world. But again, I just kind of feel like I'm concerned for you, but good luck. It's actually something else I wanted to talk to you about, which I think is quite interesting, is in the lead up to Indian Wells, we've had the Challenger Series and the Oracle Series, etc., etc. Now, Kyle Edmund, who hadn't had the best start to the year for various reasons, including illness and injury, got a wild card into a Challenger, won it beat Andre Rublev in the final. A couple of things came out of that. Being as high-ranked as he is, Kyle Edmund, and Dan Evans went on a very good run. I think, what, semi-finals for Dan Evans in that? But he is making his way back and up. Should someone as highly ranked as Kyle Edmund, or should a player with that kind of ranking be allowed into a challenger does it does it take away from those where the challenger is the level where they're mainly playing at it or does, is it good because they're testing themselves against one of the world's best it does take away from the people in those tournaments there are not a huge amount of challenger events to cater for everybody ranked between say 100 and 300 and it comes back to what we were talking about with the ITF changes is actually one of the things I put to the ITF was, okay, well, if you're going to make it, uh, if you're going to have these rules at the bottom end of the game, so keeping juniors in the juniors longer because they're catered for, how about you flip it to the top end? Well, people in the top 100 are catered for. They have, I know on the women's side, they only have 40, 50 tournaments a year. So why should they be dropping down constantly to the $100,000 events, which are the women's or, or the challenges on the men's side? And... I know that this is just a one-off because Edmund wanted to get some matches. He hasn't won any matches. He wanted to get some matches under his belt, start feeling good before going into two huge events. I can completely understand the logic. I don't really think that he's done anything wrong. I just believe there should be rules in place to prevent that from happening. I think that for certain rankings, you just shouldn't be allowed to play certain levels of events. So then where would he... And we saw this with Nishikuri last year when he's coming back from the wrist problems on the Challenger in Dallas... And I get the point in that it's unfair on some levels, but where where do the... Kyle Edmund is 22 in the world currently, so where does he get that practice? And, and maybe more so it's the confidence, because you can practice, but it's the confidence he would have got from coming through those matches, beating decent people on the way, Andre Rublev, as I mentioned in the final, then winning that title. So where... Or would it just be a case of, hang on, you're a, you're a top 25 player. That's not necessary. just get stuck into the normal tournaments. Yeah, well, I think... It's if you've fallen all the way down, 
So somebody like Rublev has been ranked incredibly highly, but he's fallen all the way down with his ranking because of injury. So you can understand he absolutely needs to get matches because it's been a really long time since he's been... I mean, I mean long in a, in a tennis player's life, of course. So if your ranking has fallen down outside of 50, then I think you should be able to play because you need the matches, you need the confidence. But if you are Kyle Edmund and you're a top 20, he's still in the top 25 and I know he's had a rough few months but I, I just I, I don't know I don't really have a, an obvious answer maybe it should just be that you're limited on how many you could play maybe you can only play one but I'm not really sure I think that it's just it's very difficult because I've been in that group of players that is trying to break through how did you how, how would you have felt or how did you feel if you if you looked at the drawer and there was someone who was just leagues above everyone else really well the thing is is that if you look at Kyle Edmund and I've played in challenger events where you have somebody ranked 30 if they win the tournament their ranking will not move so they are not playing this tournament for any other reason other than really to practice there's no other reason for it and confidence for, for com- that's it but practice playing matches and, and confidence and I just feel like Look, Kyle's not being disrespectful to the other players in the tournament. He's an incredibly respectful guy. But for me, I just feel like it's really difficult. You have a lot of players there slogging it out for not a lot of money, struggling to kind of break even, struggling to push forward. This guy's earned millions. Yes, he needs a bit of match practice. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have an obvious answer, but I... I would definitely be putting some stricter rules on it. Uh, and not to say that Kyle Edmonds shouldn't have played that event, but they need to consider that because it's really hard. Because you know, what if you go to that tournament, you go all the way to Indian Wells, you're ranked 120 in the world, and you play Kyle Edmund first round of a challenger. Well, you were expecting to be playing players ranked similarly to you. And I think that's it's a difficult one. And Andre Rublev who lost to Kyle in that fight. Is Sven somewhere? He's sort of under my right leg. (laughs) He's not going to leave us today. You planted a pig's ear on me. I'm going to get a pig's ear out. Okay, you ready, Sven? Okay. Oh, Russell, Russell, Russell. Oh, that's horrible. It's just an ear. But but I'm not used to someone pulling out a pig's ear at a table. Well, it's a dried one. No, no, Sven, that's the bag. It looks like when you order crispy bacon, how crispy bacon should look well that's it they've crisped it up and it's bacon but it's still in the shape of an ear it does look very much like an ear but this should at least buy us 10-15 minutes of calm time unless he chomps through it particularly quickly but it's interesting isn't it so Kyle Edmund being 22 in the world main draw Indian Wells Andre Rublev who he beat in the final is the 12th seed in qualifying for Indian Wells yeah and it's something I mean it's tough on somebody like Rublev there's a massive difference in terms of points and and I think for me the frustrating thing is it's when you're at a ranking where those points will make no difference so for Edmund those those point winning those points is just it's nothing to him at all the the reason he, and the money is nothing to him the pure reason he's there is almost like a practice week getting himself ready for Indian Wells and Miami and I just feel like that's not how challenges should be used because there are too many people in there of such a high level that are trying to break into the top 100, trying to get back to where they were, like somebody like Rublev, somebody like Evans. All of that is absolutely fine, but I think that you... I think you have to have fallen all the way down before you you should be... When I say all the way down, I mean like outside 50 for somebody like Edmund before you should be allowed to play them. I feel like top 50 players, come on, you could play in any 
you could play in any Masters, any 500, any 250. You could play in qualifying for those tournaments if, well, for some of them, if you're kind of around 50-ish. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like the matches are there for them to play. But, yes, going and getting five matches in a week at a Challenger may speed up the confidence process for them, but I don't feel like you should be allowed to do that at the expense of the lower-ranked players. I feel like there should be a lot of respect for that bracket. Um, it's like when... Um, the Sharapova debate years ago when uh, when she was coming back and they were talking about wild cards for slams and those sorts of things and the message I kept hearing was well just stick her in qualifying and I thought hang on a minute <laughs> the people in qualifying as I say these people are barely breaking even they are desperately trying they can't afford to have coaches with them they don't want to turn up and play Maria Sharapova you have people try- travelling from Australia to come and play these tournaments and I feel like it's slightly disrespectful and I've had this experience because I played the Australian Open qualifying when I was ranked about 180 and the year before I didn't go because I couldn't afford it this year I went I won my first match against uh, Panova Alexandra Panova and then in the second round I was playing Janina Wickmeyer who at the time was ranked 11 in the world she was in qualifying because she'd had that stuff up with the drugs testing so she had she'd been banned but then it got overturned because there was something had gone wrong with the federation anyway she, she was then allowed to be in the tournament but obviously the main draw was full the edge deadline had happened and no one was going to pull out of the main draw so the way to settle it was oh stick her in qualifying so she qualified and reached the quarterfinals but there are three people in qualifying there who have lost to somebody num- ranked number 11 in the world when everybody else in the qualifying event 128 people or 127 apart from Wickmeyer are ranked between 115 and 220 and as I say I just feel like it's a little bit disrespectful to that group of players like oh you know if you're you know, saying to Carl, like, oh, you need some match practice. Great, okay, just go, go and beat a bunch of guys ranked 150, ruin their week. You know? But from a tournament's point of view, if someone calls and says, Kane Ishikuri wants to come into your challenger, I mean, you're just going to be thanking your lucky stars that Kane Ishikuri, with all the press and all the media and all the tension, likewise with Maria Sharapova, if someone rings up and says, Maria Sharapova, like a wild card into your event, it's going to be a very brave tournament I'm talking outside of the Grand Slams that says no or that said no at the time because what she brings with her especially when she was coming back from the ban was the publicity the people and that has a knock-on effect in terms of where people are staying being there talking about the tournament so I guess it's quite difficult for a tournament if you're saying can this top 10 20 30 former or current player come and join your event largely I imagine they're going to say yes oh yeah and if I was running a tournament 100% I'd be saying Kyle what about those four people between (laughs) (laughs) not my problem no um, of course not but I mean look it's within the rules there's nothing stopping them so I would of course welcome them and say great this is going to be a really good boost for the tournament I remember I played at Surbiton it's the challenger and and back at this time this must have been 10 years ago and it Surbiton used to be on it was a, a challenger tournament on during the second week of the French Open so you got all, it was incredibly strong because basically anybody who lost first round a Roland Garros thought I need to get on the clay this is back when the grass court season was a week shorter so before they added in the extra week they needed to get on clay oh sorry on grass probably the week before Queens I think it was um, and they just wanted to get there as quickly as possible. So it was incredibly strong. I mean, you had the light and all the big grass court servers. Sam Query was there every year and, the, and this, that and whoever. And one year, Andy Roddick, 
top 10 player Andy Roddick turned up to play signed in <laughs> and the <laughs> the tournament director said well, no you can't do that I think I mean it was a $50,000 event for the women's I'm not sure what it was for the men's but it was I don't think it was any bigger than that it was possibly a 25 or something it was pretty small and there was actually a rule that top 10 players were not allowed to play in those ITF events. That, that was a rule at the time. I don't know if it's changed, but he said you can't play singles in this tournament, but he could play doubles. So he played doubles. <laughs> it was hilarious. And you know what? If you want to break into the top 100, something like Dan Evans has done, go from 200 to 100, he's done it, what, three or four times by now. <laughs> he goes over and over again in his career, doesn't he? You have to win so many matches at challenger level. You have to be reaching the final or winning them over and over again consistently to get your ranking up there like we've seen with Dan. And if you're coming up against Edmund one week, Nishikori the next week, it's not possible. You can't do it. I mean, it's ridiculous. No one's ever going to be able to, to break through. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there should be more rules in place, but there, there aren't. So, fair enough. You can understand why Carl would use it as a practice week and get himself set. You talked about Andy Roddick top 10 player at the time when he entered that tournament what about someone who's new to the world of being a top 10 player Stefanos Tsitsipas how about that as a, as a rise for a tennis player I mean still so young he had this list at the start of the year about things he wanted to achieve and he's getting through that list it's he lost people who haven't been following results lately he recently lost to Roger Federer Federer exacted his Australian Open revenge and he won that title but it's incredible what he's achieving and into the top 10 and still young and he's quite do you follow him on Instagram oh yes there's the sort of was that a shot when he was sort of topless and there was has there been a few he he says something like he doesn't like clothes because you can't see who people are I like clothes (laughs) (laughs) just I'm just just gonna say I mean and it sort of he, he he's quite interesting to follow he also does a podcast and he's got an account, he's a photography, I think he's got a photography yep. account on Instagram where people can just see the bits and pieces, and he's vlogging and he's doing all these bits and pieces. I, I was one of those people that thought maybe he wouldn't be able to keep it up with everything he was doing. I know, look, as you guys as travelling tennis players have a lot of time on your hands and there's a lot of Netflix box sets I'm sure that you go through in your hotel room, but I really thought with everything he was doing that it might become a bit of a distraction you know vlogger and he's filming them and editing them and putting the music to them and he's doing his podcast largely with his brother and he's got a photography account and he's doing all these other bits and pieces I had a feeling he it might mean that he took a little bit of an eye off quite literally the ball but he hasn't he's just, <laughs> I like that is you like that yeah. he's <laughs> save that for commentary <laughs> he's juggling <laughs> he's juggling everything and now he's cracked the top 10 and I just I'm just not sure what is going to stop him at yeah. the moment? It's been amazing, hasn't it? I mean, the top 10 was inevitable after the year he had last year. So that, that back six months, I mean, unless he was losing first round of everything this year, particularly after the Australian Open as well. So post-Australian Open, if, yeah, short of him losing first round and everything, he was going to crack the top 10 because he'd already done all of the work. So it's not necessary. I know he reached the final in Dubai, but it's not necessarily because of that. It was a great run good tournament for him and he won Marseille prior to that yeah it's just been it's been outstanding it's been absolutely outstanding I mean it's been such a consistent level he is joy to watch he's fascinating to just spectate as a person as you say kind of on Instagram and on Twitter and his views on things he's a very very deep thinker Um, and I just hope that 
doesn't start filtering into his tennis I just feel like when you're a really deep thinker like that you have the tendency to overthink and it can start seeping into your game because if that's your personality he's had this year he's got absolutely no pressure he's swinging from the hip he has a fabulous flamboyant and free game when he starts feeling less free it will be interesting to see how he progresses then because as we've seen with somebody like Zverev or other players it can be really difficult um, and actually just maintaining your position is a success so uh, it'll be yeah really interesting when we get to when did he start picking up big points last definitely last summer wasn't it the, the US Open series was the first kind of big big thing wasn't it um so it'll be interesting when we get there because it's a slightly different vibe. When he starts to have those points to defend, he starts to have pressure, he starts to go into tournaments with people saying, right, you've got to get to the semi-final, you've got to get to the final. If that, I just have this feeling, I don't know whether, just because he puts it across, he betrays himself so well, I just don't think it's going to affect him. But as you say, he, he likes to think. He's a big thinker. And yeah. Maybe he will overthink things or maybe he just won't. Maybe he's got that genuine belief. But we thought that with, with Sasha Zverev. But then look, Sasha Zverev has been so successful so far. It's just in the Grand Slams where it seems to have got inside the Zverev head. And that's almost his final hurdle. Yeah. Because he's now got the younger guys coming through. I think that's the big thing for Zverev is Sitsipas has said, I'm here <laughs> and I'm in the top 10 and I'm not going anywhere. And the Karen Hashinoff. So I think it's going to be an interesting year, whether we're talking WTA or ATP with the young players actually saying, it wasn't a flash in the pan and I'm here and I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. I'm going to keep on going. Yeah, they are, they're positioning themselves, aren't they, really, for, for one it's of them exciting. to make the push. And when I say the push, it's, you know, maybe doing it a bit down but in terms of winning a slam one of these young ones I know Osaka's done it on the, on the women's side but for the for the men particularly see which one will, will push and, and, and win the slam and probably do what Osaka's doing in terms of she's now solidified what, what she is she's number one in the world she's won two slams so she's there can I just mention though I like this time of year because great trophies Great trophies. As in physically great trophies. The actual trophies, yeah. I mean, Fed won the boat, the beautiful silver... Is it a silver boat in Dubai? It looks like a pirate ship or something. Yeah. And you've got the pair in Acapulco. I mean, we all love the pair. <laughs> the, yeah, the best thing about Acapulco quite famous the hats. Now. Well, the hats, exactly. So, someone made a comment about uh, Nick Kyrgios, and they said it's, gonna, they said it's quite funny because Nick Kyrgios is quite a cool character. Mm. He's won the only tournament where it's very difficult to look cool because you've got to wear the big hat. <laughs> and we had the Zverev brothers who won the doubles and they had the big hats on as well. I remember in the past, I think Sam Querrey's won that title and had the big hat on. It's, it's a difficult thing to pull off. I tell you what, Del Potro pulled it off last year though. I thought yeah. he looked pretty good in it. But I just find it hilarious, that picture of Kyrgios with an oversized silver pair that he's holding as a trophy that the, the photographers are probably saying kiss the pair kiss the pair and he's thinking what is going on he's got this or huge hat if you're Nadal it'd be eat the pair eat the pair exactly he's got this huge hat on and, you, and I just think written all over his face just looked like man this is not my vibe I don't think I don't think this is my thing I, I think you're right it's, I think there are some there are some good trophies at this time of year and then Indian Wells the tall ones the, the the tall, tall glass that's a ones. Really great description. <laughs> well, tall. I don't think it's glass, is it? You're the commentator. You're supposed to be painting pictures I'm, I'm with not words. I'm good with trophy descriptions. <laughs> I, I tend to always get my trophy descriptions wrong. The tall glass, tubey things. 
tall glass tuby things. Are they? Shall I say that on the Indian Wells final? <laughs> He's picking up the tall glass tuby things. I, you'll be glad to know I've replaced, I found a replacement for baking. Oh, a replacement? Yeah. You, you're over it already. It was my fault. It all went wrong. Can't bake anymore. I just feel I've got to take a step back. Just a little step back. Okay. Step back from the oven. Where are we going now? We grill. Barbecue. No, we're building IKEA flat packs. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So just completely different. I built a, a storage unit thing. Successfully? Children's. Yes, th- there were a couple of things left over. Oh, and you always have it. No, no. That's not successful well, then. No, it is because it, it's not wonky. It hasn't fallen over. And I've put things in it. It's, it's for all the twins' toys because mm. they've taken over the whole house. So I put them in this storage unit. Nothing's fallen over. And it, it doesn't lean. I've had a look. I don't have one of those things. You know, one of those things that you put on things to make sure things are level. Probably a leveler. <laughs> um, I don't have one of those. Um, but it's a not one different level. That's it. Um, <laughs> and it's. I think it's good. So I think maybe that's that's the way forward. Away from the oven and into the IKEA flat packs. Well, with my extensive construction knowledge, as we talked about with uh, <laughs> Philip Chatteret construction. Which is why on. you knew it was a spirit level. I mean, I use them all the time. You had a little bit of support for Channel Changer. I don't think I did, did I? We had a little... No, we I heard... So I said a Channel little changer, bit, didn't say a lot. We heard that somebody calls it clicker. clicker. Americans call it a zapper. Mr. Gibb, surely it's the zapper, not remote. Yeah. Or that just strange channel changer. Yeah, I, it, it, it didn't work out. Not like last week with the heavy petting. That was... But that, em- Emily that went was with well. you. Growing up in Minnesota, it was channel changer, clicker, or remote interchangeable interchangeably oh. but oh, I haven't okay. heard it called anything besides remote in decades so coming back to the thing it's kind of an, an old thing an to old say an old thing okay I, was I having, will get to remote I was having a chat with friends about but ridiculously they're younger than me so they were never going to call it a channel changer they just thought I was old when I said those words <laughs> but then they talked about <laughs> something and I was wondering maybe this could be something we get some feedback on this from people a friend of theirs was going on a date sort of almost a blind date and she'd asked them to have a word to, to help her. So if the date was going really badly, she could text this word to her friends, like, I don't know, pig's ear, I don't know, <laughs> which you probably wouldn't think it was going very well at that point. And then the friend we were with, she was about to go on a date with someone and she said, I need, I need a word. So <laughs> we settled on, it's like, not like a help word, but you know, if you need to get out of a situation, text a word and then you think, right, she needs help then you call them and you get them out you look at me sort of blankly you never had to do have you never <laughs> have you never had to help a friend in a situation when they've gone on a date and it hasn't been great and they've said call me or help me well I know what you mean yeah. but I would only use that for emergencies as well, if, if you're on a bad date and you want to get out it's an emergency that's not an emergency it is an emergency. you suck it up you've gone out to dinner with somebody you finish the date do I'm you? sorry yes have you, you always finished, finished every single date yes you haven't made an excuse like Dog needs a walk. <laughs> needs to go home. No, no. You, if you've agreed to go out with dinner, someone, you, even if you don't think it's going well and you're not going to go out with them again, that's fine. But you finish the date. That's just that's just standard protocol. Really? Yes. Really. And have you bailed out of dates? 
I think it's too long ago. I don't think my my memory's <laughs> struggling with last week. <laughs> so uh, it's I'm, probably a yes. I it's quite possibly yes. But I've had. But if it's an emergency, like you really don't feel comfortable with somebody, so you could do if you're going on a blind date or somebody that you've met online. You, I could say I was going out with somebody I'd met online. I could absolutely say to you, right, phone me at nine o'clock or something, or I'll go to the loo and I'll phone you at nine o'clock. But do you never or I'll text you to let you know that everything's fine. Do your friends never Whatever. give you updates? So if my friend's date's gone to the toilet, suddenly I'm getting text I messages. I just don't think it's a very good date. If you're speaking to other people while you're on your date, it's not going very well. If they've gone well. to the toilet, just a little update. What are they like? No. Do you like him? No. Name? Oh, come on. No. If you're enjoying your date, then you're immersed in your date and you're having fun. But if you're and not, you can debrief the day you after. You send a little word. So the word we gave to a friend who wanted a couple of words. I'm already not on so board with this story, but feel free to finish it. <laughs> There's three of us. One of the, <laughs> one of our three is us on the date. There are two words. If she texts either one of us blueberries, okay, blueberries, we have to call or text her to to give her an excuse to leave. I know you disapprove of this, but there'll be people listening to this who've been in this situation but who approve of. Do this. you not understand that the person that she's on a date with will 100% know that is exactly what's going no, on? No, because he goes to the toilet. Because you do go, might need the toilet. <gasps> she so, runs away. No. Now that would be bad. <laughs> See, that's where your mind's gone. <laughs> no, so he goes to the toilet. She sends a quick text to me saying blueberries. Mm. Then I leave it a couple of minutes and I make the phone call and she says, oh, I've, I've really got to go. It's, it's a work issue or it's a, some a burst pipe. Or yeah, and he'll know exactly what's going on. on. He might do, but... It, oh, come on, everybody knows that. But she has a second word because we need to know how things are going. And So blueberries is help. Okay. If she texts big blueberries, having a great time. So if her blueberries are big, then not a problem. Oh, that's quite dangerous though, because... Why? I don't know. Big blueberries? (laughs) (laughs) No, because you could... If you're texting, I don't know, you could accidentally delete the word big or something. I don't know. No, because how could you accidentally... Big blueberries, if anything, you'd you'd delete blueberries and you just send big. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> She's having a whale of a time. And if we got a message saying big, we're thinking, wow, she didn't even need the blueberries on this. Well, that's okay. I don't mind sending like a text update saying like everything's going well, don't worry about me. That's fine. Big blueberries. But you can't, you can't be having full, full conversations. Oh, not full conversations, but if you wanted to get out of a situation, then just sending a word and a friend calls and it's... If you want to get out of a situation, you shouldn't have put yourself in the situation. But you don't know you what don't the situation is going to be like would the guys because you've never met them or the person the guy or girl is fine if they're not dangerous if there's no risk to your safety sit down and finish the date <laughs> what's can wrong you imagine, with you can you imagine if someone's texting you the word to call and you're like nope not gonna do it <laughs> not calling and you're like why didn't you nope you, you decided to go on that date well, that's what i'll do if, if one of my friends ever does that and says right you've got to, you've got to phone me if i send you this message i'm just not gonna oh, thank heavens i'm no, out of the dating date. scene you wouldn't you wouldn't have my word help word um a question um i hope this is a serious question as as a non-athlete to an, are you a former athlete or are you an athlete? Or former. Former athlete. <laughs> so as a, as a never-been athlete to a former athlete, doesn't sound great on either part, yeah. does it? How I've started that. Should stretching be painful? Oh, oh, stretching. Stretching. Well, it depends. If you're doing kind of just token stretching, you know when people just stand there and they hold their, their foot, or their heel to their, their bum and they just kind of hold it there yeah, oh, yeah yeah I'm stretching I'm stretching you know or they put their arm across their body and just stretch out the tricep a bit I mean that's nonsense really and it shouldn't be that painful but if you're stretching properly so using bands or using a physical trainer like your strength and conditioning coach is pushing your leg then it is 
horrendously painful. It makes you feel so, so that, awful. So that's not because I was in a situation at my local gym and I'm not very good or disciplined when it comes to stretching. I am that person that, that grabs their foot and then lets it go after about five seconds because I'm sure that's enough. So <laughs> it's I, was, I was... You've basically was, made it tighter I, I by think doing I'm that. not a professional athlete, so therefore I don't need to spend hours. So I was having a little bit, I was having a little bit of help <laughs> with some stretching and I thought I was going to be sick physically. Oh, yes. I've never felt that close to actually physically being sick in terms of sort of working out sport that was just from stretching yeah stretching is one of the the most awful things to do and it's always right at the end of the day which is so tedious as well no so it makes you feel sick that is quite a normal thing a lot of people say it makes them feel sick and genuinely like you thing? want to Does that vomit. mean it's working yeah and you'll tell the strength and conditioning trainer that, that it's making you feel sick and they'll say oh good just breathe so they'll make it. you do it for longer yeah because i was put in this weird position that felt very unnatural and I was told to stay there for eight minutes. Ooh. Eight, eight minutes. That's pretty militant. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a really long and I, time. And I couldn't, I got to the point, it's it was so painful. like 30 seconds. But it was so painful <laughs> that I would have needed help to get out of the position. So it's not like I could just stop and say, I've had enough, I can't do this. Because it was so painful, I would have needed a little sort of shove on my leg to move it. So I stayed there for so eight you minutes. So you couldn't text someone and say blueberries, <laughs> come and get you out <laughs> well, of it. I definitely wouldn't have texted big blueberries. <laughs> no, I was, you know, you see, in, is it in wrestling when they, they hit the mat three times, which means yeah, it's tapping over, out. I concede. I, w- I was tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the guy I was working with was just looking at me saying, yep. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to be sick. He said, no, just another four minutes to go. Oh. And, and he'd said the first time we started working together, doing some exercises and training, he said, I never use a timer. I never time anything because it should just be sort of organic and natural. Suddenly he's giving me eight minutes. Yeah, that's so I called said, guessing. I said, what happened to your not timing? He said, well, I just feel maybe we should time this. But I thought physically felt, felt sick. And I just wasn't sure if I was in really bad nick in terms of the stretching or if that was something you'd experienced as a former athlete oh. in your athlete days oh, well, when I was an athlete yes oh, I don't do it anymore do you do any stretching anymore no not That's at all bad. nothing at Is all that bad? you should always stretch says the non never been athlete to the former athlete you should still stretch well jury's out on that I think no you should well people say should it you? but it's awful What's and awful? tedious and boring stretching <laughs> look I'm not gonna lie it's awful. No, but you, you know how you felt sick, and most people will feel sick when they. It's that deep, deep stretch where you go a little bit further than you think is possible. Awful. And you feel sick. I don't feel sick like that. <laughs> I don't feel sick. I feel like I'm about to wet myself. <laughs> <laughs> which is more of an urgent situation yeah. to be in because for me I just hope it passes the yeah. sickness for you yeah, so what do you say to, what would you have said to your strength and conditioning coach I'm going to wet myself yes <laughs> I'm not going to lie if you were my strength and conditioning trainer you've heard me say that many times and when the point, weights were too heavy when you get to that point where that the weight when you're squatting and it, it's just that extra little bit where you're trying to push that a bit further I just go down and say I'm going to wet myself and it's only to let them know so that if I do wet myself that it's kind of we're all okay about it <laughs> same thing if we run too much too many intervals on the track I get to the point where I'm like I'm going to wet myself do you know I probably have an issue (laughs) she goes to the doctor I'm just all I'm thinking is is wait till you have children (laughs) uh yes my my starting point is it's quite low no I but when you said that when you when you said I'm going to wet myself 
did they get to the point like, oh, there's Naomi again because she's going to wet herself? Or did they say, right, stop? Did they sort of take pity? Because the, no. the guy I'm working with doesn't take any pity. He just looks at me as if when I say I'm going to be sick, he's like, and? I'm like, right, so we're just going to stay here for eight minutes. Did they, because you were going to do something which might have, you might not want to be doing, I don't know, um, would they say, right, stop? Well, or do they just think, oh God, Naomi again, so he's going to wet herself? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> God's God sake, just stick a nappy on and get on with it. <laughs> um, no, I think we... No, they, they, they didn't really take any pity on me, that's for sure. They just kind of said, OK. And look, when I say wet myself, uh, firstly, just to clarify, never actually did. <laughs> did you not? At all? Oh, no! Maybe like a teeny tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> but that was only if we were doing some plyometrics and it involved a lot of jumping and hopping. <laughs> but that's what I meant by like... By <laughs> that's what I meant by wet moist. I didn't mean like I was... <laughs> To a, a full bladder empty. I can't talk about this anymore. Can we move on? I've gone down a route. Wait, wait, can we cut that bit out? Actually, we can. I'm the editor. Let's cut that out. Let's go back to the beginning. Yes, I also feel sick when I stretch. How about that? I just, I, I just, I feel like I want to do, I don't know, work out with you or stretch and just, I just want you to, you know. It's only you know a feeling. But you know, there's that jungle program, I'm a Celebrity. Yes. When a celebrity's doing something that they don't want to do and they want to get out of it, they have to say, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. Right. Like so you it, would say blueberries. So it stops. And so you would say, I'm going to wet myself. <laughs> yeah, but no one cares. Because to be honest, the strength and conditioning trainers would be looking at me and, and saying, well, you know, that's on you. It's nothing to do with me. If you're going to wet yourself, that's your problem, isn't it? And I'd go, OK, just, just letting you know that that may happen. But... Look, it never happened. And it was never a real threat because if if I had genuinely thought I was actually... It's like when you feel like you're going to be sick, but you know you're not actually no, going I to be sick. No, I thought I really was going to be sick. I, I, I literally... Really? Yes, I... Because I feel like if you think you are actually going to be sick, then you're just going to be sick. So I've trained to the point of throwing up m- multiple times. It's kind of a... It's, it's kind of a thing you have to do because you... You'll, you'll run and run and run or whatever it is and, and, until you're sick and you feel like you've hit your limit probably about 10% before you end up being sick and then once you've been sick you're then kind of back to feeling like oh I can do more so you, you, you kind of burst through your limits and your boundaries and then suddenly after that you feel alive because you think oh I had another 30% in me that I didn't know I could get to so that really helps with, with training and process I'm not saying it's necessary but it's just something that it happens to a lot of people yeah, I don't think training until you wet yourself is, <laughs> is in the same is in the same league. But you know when you're going to be sick, you have you you have to stop. You have to say, "Hang on, I'm just going to throw it up." You do that, and then you carry well, I on. Because we had all these bands, those bands, and I was twisted into some weird position with one band on some machine, another band on another one. The the guy I'm working with is just laughing. So, well, if I mean, you want to get out of it, tell him you're going to wet yourself. Then he'll. Then he might. He, he yeah. might sort you out. I'm, I'm actually. I'm actually going to try it, and if I can say it with a straight face, I'll. I'll. I'll see what he says. If I can actually say it with a straight. I've just listened. A gentleman. It's Pancake Day. Happy Pancake Day. Today. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that's said as a greeting, but Happy Pancake Day. Um, a guy just came into the pub where we are, and said, "Are you doing anything special for Pancake Day?" And the man said, "No," and he left. 
So he was obviously oh. looking for some pancakes. I'm not sure whether... I think there's a Waffle House like, literally just next door. Oh, is By the way, yes. the Waffle House is next... To- <laughs> Is next door to, to my wedding dress. <laughs> my dress isn't in the Waffle House. So your wedding dress ne- is in between a pub and a Waffle House? Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah? Kind of. Is it there? If you go past... All, yeah, yeah, it came in a couple of weeks ago. So it's, it's sitting there right now. Have you seen it since it's come in? Yes, I, I went to visit it. And Do you visit it often? <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of thought, oh, I want to go in again today. I'm not sure whether Sven's allowed in a, in a wedding dress in a bridal boutique. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just around the corner and it's in they got it in a couple of weeks ago I went back tried it on again and I mean it was exactly the same as when I tried it on the first time not really sure why I bothered but just wanted to make sure that it was the right dress and you know whatever may have been lost in translation it could be a different colour or something you happy with it? well yeah I mean it's the the dress that I ordered and it's there so great can I see some enthusiasm (laughs) for your wedding dress? it's a lovely dress it's a lovely dress. It's a lovely dress, yeah. Well, I think not only sh- I well, I think one of the reasons we should go and see your wedding dress is because I'm not sure if someone's trying to give us a hint to leave. Because w- wonderfully in this pub, they let us come out the back where it was nice and quiet. And there's no music, but in the last few minutes, they've just brought down three massive cinema-style screens with football on because obviously it's the Champions League this week and you uh, get early kickoffs and competitions. Wait, so is I, it on now? Uh, no, this is, is no, this isn't. No, this this isn't. This is Barcelona, Manchester United. I, I have limited football knowledge, but I, I this feel is, like okay, this is, three o'clock. <laughs> this is definitely not day. taking place now, this match here. But okay. the, so we've got, there's a gentleman turning on every TV he can find. I think it's his subtle way of saying, very soon I'm going to add sounds to the pictures. And added to that, Sven's gone to sleep. Oh, he has. Which, I've got to take a good picture of him. But remember, we said that was going to be the bad sign, that if we actually sent him to I sleep... I didn't say that. That's him being a very good boy. I thought it, yeah, but I thought it might be a negative, that we've actually sent him to sleep, because ideally people will listen and stay awake. Sven is now staring at Naomi. Posing Why have pictures. you woken me up to take a We're going to put some photos on Instagram and Twitter of yes. the meeting with Sven and what you've been up to, because next week it's kind of all change. Indian Wells, into Miami. Oh, it's very busy. Indian Wells, you're focusing on WTA matches, I'm focusing on ATP matches, so... Yeah, and it's this weird thing where you're working on the same event, but because there's so much going on, remember, these are huge draws. Indian Wells is a, is a massive draw for the men and for the women. So when you're concentrating on the women, you kind of don't really pay attention to what the men are doing. And if you're concentrating on the men, you don't pay... I mean, you do pay attention, so you know the big sort of stories, but you don't really watch many matches because you're either having a rest or grabbing some food or, or you're on a different court with a different match or whatever it is because they chop and change between the men's and women's. So it's a bizarre thing. Um, but the two of us together will know everything that's happened at Indian Wells. So we're going to come together at some point. And yeah, it'll be weird because we won't even really see each other. We're not going to see each other. <coughs> We're going to be working on completely different sides of the tour. It's going to be really weird. We can sort of, when I'm not working, you're working. When I'm working, uh, but we're going we're to come together. We'll wave. I think now, um, I could just say that Leo Messi has just scored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when was this? It's, it's, it's not today. Yeah, but when was it? It's not today. It was a while ago. It's not today. It I don't know. He's, he scores a lot, so... <laughs> Most yeah. days he's scoring. Yes, he does, Naomi. <laughs> See, look at that again. More football knowledge. More, the, the football knowledge is incredible. So we're going to go and, <laughs> while Sven is in a quiet place, we're going to go and see your wedding dress. While we're here, I mean, we've actually oh, we leave him here together. Here? Well, I think he's probably going to come with us, but he's in a quiet place now. Right. 
isn't he? Okay. We'll so, see if they, we get let in. The effect of a pig's ear, by the way, is amazing. Yeah. If that's the effect a pig's ear has... Well, it's three hours of walking on Wimbledon Common and a pig's ear. It was the pig's and ear. And our podcast finally putting him to sleep. <laughs> <It was> the-, <laughs> the final thing. I think it was probably when I started talking about wetting myself no, it- and he was he was thinking, Mum, I'm so gosh. embarrassed right now that you're talking about <laughs> wetting yourself. So, but it's, you know, it's been lovely to meet Sven because the first time we've actually met. I know. We've got to get a picture of the two of you. We, we're going to get a picture of the two of us and then we're going to be, any questions from anybody, whether it's to do with the things that are coming up, maybe you have wet yourself while stretching <laughs> or just thrown up, which is a little bit more normal <laughs> like me. Um, we'd love to hear from you, as always. Do get in touch with us. We really love hearing from people who listen to the podcast with bits and pieces. So shall we go and see if your wedding dress has changed since last week? <laughs> let's let's, go on, let's pop in. <laughs> 